Welcome to the Box Jumper Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John Sainamon. Since Christmas is right around the corner, I've been asked by a few people, what do I get for the CrossFitter in my life? What would you get for them? What's a good CrossFit stocking stuffer? What's a showstopper of a gift for the CrossFitter that's got a pretty complete gear bag? Well, of course, I gave some ideas, and I certainly have quite a few ideas of my own, but I also decided that it would make for a decent podcast episode as well. So for this episode, we'll talk about everything from stocking stuffers to big ticket items that every CrossFitter on your list would love to find under the tree. In 10 seconds, we'll go through the Box Jumper Buyer's Guide for a Merry CrossFit Christmas. Okay, with a week to go before Christmas, let's talk about putting a bow on a box to put under the tree for someone at your box. This will be the 2018 Box Jumper Crossfitter Christmas Wish List. It's not everything I would have on my list, but it's certainly a list of the items that I would put high on my list across four Crossfit categories. Let's break them down. First up, the Crossfit Rookie. Somebody who just started. They're very new to the sport, they haven't invested in much gear. They like it, but they're not quite yet ready to tattoo forging fitness across their butt cheek. The CrossFit sophomore is somebody that has a little bit more mileage in the wad. Many AMRAPs and EMOMs later, they're drinking the Kool-Aid and starting to think about what gear might be useful to help promote progress. The CrossFit fire breather, well, this is kind of what it sounds like. The pro, the person setting the time to beat. They've been doing this a while, likely have a lot of stuff, but there's always something they'd appreciate to receive at Christmas time that they might not already have or they might be looking to upgrade. And then finally, I've added in a category here for the garage CrossFitter. This potentially laps, overlaps all three. Um, it isn't necessarily the level of experience so much as the choice of setting. Uh, you want to move some of the wad into your garage, you're definitely going to need some gear. So let's get started. Now, I, I didn't come up with this list entirely on my own. I did a little informal polling from people inside my gym, people at other gyms, people that I talked to in the CrossFit community, um, and a couple of CrossFit groups on Facebook that I participate in. So I kind of crowdsourced some ideas and tried to organize them into a list that I thought made sense, hence the categories I just went over. Uh, take it with a grain of salt and think of it as cross-training for your Christmas shopping mind. If you're buying for a CrossFitter in your life, you'd be hard-pressed not to find at least one item or two on this list that would be worth throwing in the cart before checkout. So, let's start. Group number one, the rookie. When I first started CrossFit, I didn't have much gear, and there were two reasons. One is I had no friggin' idea what to buy. Um, it was a new sport to me. When I walked into the gym, I could see people were wearing wrist wraps, and it seemed like they were wearing some specialized shoes and clothing, but you know, I, I honestly didn't know where to start. So you generally don't walk into the gym on day one with a bag full of gear. Second, even if I had known what to buy, what to prioritize was a bit of a mystery to me, and frankly, I didn't know if I was staying. It was still a little early. So now that I've been in the community for three years and I've been asked for advice on this front by many new athletes, I have a pretty good idea of what to tell them. So we're going to start with some of the things that as a beginner you can consider adding to your gear bag very early on. First up, wrist wraps. And by the way, these are in no particular order. I'm just organizing according to these earlier mentioned categories. Um, wrist wraps are pretty simple. You can buy them at just about any serious fitness retailer. They're inexpensive and they're helpful. Um, but you got to know what they do. Um, when used correctly, they provide additional support to the wrist joint um, when it's going to be under heavy load. 
It doesn't mean that you use them all the time, but when you know your wrist is going to be under maximal strain for stuff like heavy front squats, clean and jerk, snatch being examples, um, they can provide support to the joint. They're a pretty easy and inexpensive thing to throw in your gear bag. You'd want to talk to your coach about how to put them on properly so that they provide the support that you need, but don't limit the range of motion of the wrist joint. Uh, Most of the manufacturers make them in a couple of simple uh, lengths. Um, Usually they're around one width of about two and a half inches. Um, And some attach with Velcro. Some are simple fabric that wrap around the wrist and lock in by tucking the ends underneath. Um, Lifters will generally develop a preference over time of one versus the other. But the Velcro ones are very often where people will start because they're quick to put on and take off. Uh, Next up, gymnastic wraps. They're kind of like wrist wraps uh, in that they're cheap and they're not, but one of the challenges is they're not as easy to lay your hands on. You're not going to walk into a local store and expect to find several versions of them on the shelf. Uh, In fact, you'd be hard-pressed, depending on the market that you're in, um, to find them on a retailer's shelf, unless it's a very specialized retailer. Um, These are straps that cover the palm. Um, and they're most commonly used for gymnastic movements in which your hand position is somewhat dynamic rather than static. Um, So everything from hanging knee raises to pull-ups, toes-to-bar, muscle-ups, they're normally made out of either fabric or leather, and they have a wrist cuff that keeps them on while a strip goes across your palm, and you have either two or three finger holes um, to hold them from that side of your hand. They're a line of defense against wear and tear on your hands. Not everybody likes them. I'm personally not a huge fan of them for my everyday workouts because I just feel like I need to feel the bar in my hands. Um, I feel like I have a little bit more control that way, even if it means that I have to manage manage my calluses a little bit more diligently, and we'll return to that topic shortly. Um, no matter how thin a wrist wrap, or sorry, no matter how thin a gymnastic wrap might be, Um, They're still adding to the circumference that my fingers now have to cover in order to hang on to the bar. But I do have a pair. I'll bring them out if my hands are kind of worn and a workout um, with high-volume gymnastics uh, comes up, making uh, a little bit more of a risk that I would uh, get a tear. Um, So... And I'll use them when I do have a tear to protect it from getting worse and and to keep a comfort level there, but still allowing me to do some of the work uh, in the workout. You can normally buy these online if you can't find them in a local retail store. Um, Rogue certainly sells them, and several other manufacturers sell them as well. Um, And there's even some custom uh, wrap makers that will build them to specific measurements of your hand if you really want a customized fit. Um, Next up, cross-training shoes, Um, and I I refer to them that way because there's several different brands that all have different names, Um, but the essence of what these shoes are, they're a flat bottom, little or no cushion. Um, Reebok Nanos and and Nike Metcons were kind of the first in this space to really get serious about CrossFit and and gain some real uh, traction with people doing CrossFit as a sport, but now there's quite a few other shoe manufacturers that have entries in this training shoe space. What you really need to know about this style of shoe is that they're not sneakers. They're flat, they're low-heeled, they're fairly hard-soled, though they do flex through the sole like a sneaker would front to back. Uh, And they don't really have much of a cushioning system at all, and that's by design. It's not meant for a long, slow run. They're meant as a do-all generalist kind of shoe. Climb a rope? Check jump over a box, check, do some lifting in the middle of a workout that involves other movements uh, for which a lifting shoe would be a bit of a hindrance, check. Like a running shoe is specialized for running and a lifting shoe is specialized to lifting, a trainer fills the gap in between. 
Um, I put this on the rookie list because if there's one shoe purchase that I think a rookie might consider, it's this one. It's not so specialized that it would be useless to them if they decide CrossFit isn't for them. It's a perfectly serviceable shoe for other things. But it's also a workhorse of a shoe that would be beneficial to every workout, and importantly, get the athlete out of a sneaker with cushion and give in the sides that doesn't offer the stiff stability a rookie CrossFitter needs to meet the demands of training, particularly lifting. I'd rather lift in a trainer than a sneaker, hands down. I'd rather lift in a lifter than a trainer, but if I had to pick one to add to my gear bag first, it's a trainer. Speed rope is the next thing. Uh, a speed rope ultimately becomes a very personal preference, but you do have to start somewhere, and relying on your gym to have a ton of ropes at the length that you need is fine at first, but it's a piece of equipment that you really should have for yourself and tailored to your specific needs. Generally, you want the rope passing above your head 6 to 8 inches on the jump. Depending on the style of handles, that can change the length of the rope by a few inches in either direction. So a decent guide is 3 feet taller than you are without cheating your real height. But as you develop the skill that you need with the rope, you may find that you can get away with uh, a little shorter of a rope and have it pass closer to you as you learn to flick with your wrist and keep your arms in stable and pointed downward. So you want your own rope to be able to be to practice on your own and, and when you're at the gym, to always be able to use exactly the same rope. You don't want the rope to become a variable in the learning as you're doing double-unders. Uh, a lacrosse ball is another thing that I really recommend for even the beginner. They're super cheap, obviously, and effective. Um, every athlete should get some mobility equipment of their own that they can fit in their gear bag, and this is about as portable as it gets. Uh, it's a great tool to roll out uh, the muscles, target a specific area to help lengthen the fibers in the muscle before or after a tough workout, and even on off days. A foam roller is a good complement to this, though it's not entirely portable. It's not the sort of thing that you can fit inside your average gym bag, depending on what size you buy. Um, but it's another great way to work on your mobility at home. You can roll out large muscles and help work through a range of motion issues with major joints. And a shaker bottle. Uh, realistically, you'll never have just one, but the order of the day is to hydrate, and you're going to need that thing by your side from minute one in your gym, so you really got to have one that you love, and for God's sake, put your name on it in giant permanent marker so that it doesn't wind up in the, in the catch-all bin for things that people leave behind after the workouts. Okay, let's talk group two, sophomore CrossFitter. Um, first of all, some of the rookie items here still apply. Um, so not everyone gets too much in the way of gear until they're pretty committed. Some things just wait a little bit longer depending on the programming in your box and what you feel you would get the most benefit from. So here we go. Let's talk about a weight belt. Now you could argue that a, that a beginner would benefit from this one, but my approach as a coach personally has been to recommend getting some experience before even considering a weight belt. A belt introduced too early can compensate for and potentially hide bad form that can lead to problems as loading increases over time. And you make gains pretty pretty quickly as a beginner weightlifter. Um, and so these are things that, that mean that you want to wait just a little bit longer. It's a bit like taking aspirin to mask symptoms before something starts to hurt. If you don't feel a lift fully, then how do you learn how to make it the best that it can be? So once you get the mechanics right and you get and you are consistently applying those mechanics properly, then you can start adding intensity with load, speed, and accessories like a weight belt that help promote those heavier lifts. A weight belt gives your abdomen something to press against as you fill your belly with air and tighten your core to create tension on the front side of your body to mirror the structural strength that you have naturally on the back side of your body in the form of your spine. When your spine is straight up and aligned, it's damn strong. 
That's why people can lift heavy loads above their head comfortably. But the abdomen, with all due respect to the six-packers out there, I'm not part of that club yet, uh, it's still naturally soft. So we fill it with air when with our breath and we, we when we lift, and so that creates pressure through our core to support the load as we lift. It's the shaken up soda can effect. Add a belt to the weakest side of that soda can, and well, if there was one, you would understand what the purpose of the belt uh, would be. It doesn't support the back so much as it allows the abdomen to have something to push against and amp up its ability to contribute to the pressure that we're trying to create to support the load. So a lifter with experience can take advantage of this and make progress with the help of this tool far more effectively and safely than a rookie can. That's why I recommend that it waits just a little bit longer before you add one to your gear bag. Once again, size, width, and the closure style become a point of preference for the athlete. But again, you have to start somewhere. Generally in CrossFit, we very often lift multiple reps at a time. So we're not necessarily, we're not buying a belt purely for uh, the purposes of our one rep max. And that tends to be what the leather belts are great for. Um, so they may not be the right choice for the CrossFitter as a starting point. Uh, nylon is, is a common material that have, has just a little bit more give and is a great place to start. It's lightweight, it's easy to add to the bag, and again, there's several different widths available, anywhere from 3 inches to 5 inches, and you have to find something that, that suits you best as an athlete. And that may change if your body shape changes as you uh, progress through your training. Knee sleeves are another thing to consider. The reason for making this a sophomore choice is similar to the weight belt. You want knee sleeves as a support, not as a crutch, or to mask any knee joint deficiency. There are different types of knee sleeves that serve different purposes, so you have to be clear on what your objectives are, and that sometimes um, that sometimes takes a little bit of time to shake out as well. Um, some are for warmth and a bit of compression, um, and, like cloth sleeves. Neoprene sleeves um, are available in multiple thicknesses. Uh, the thin ones generally allow for more movement, but provide less compression or support, while thicker ones offer significantly more support and compression, but they're a little warm to wear, and especially in a long workout. Uh, neoprene is, is maybe a, a very common multifunctional sleeve for a CrossFitter to wear. A little bit of protection, a little bit of support for lifts, but not so much to get out, get in the way. Um, while knee wraps are commonly worn for performance lifts and offer considerable compression. Um, of the weights commonly available in neoprene varieties, I usually tell athletes to start in the middle, which is commonly around 5 millimeter, and a lot of people are happy staying there. I personally wear, I, I started with 5 millimeter and I wound up moving to 7s. Uh, lifters are another thing, lifting shoes. By now, you may already have a training shoe, uh, as mentioned in the prior section. Um, it's fine and dandy, but now you want to take it to the next level. And when, particularly when you're doing some serious lifting, a proper Olympic weightlifting shoe is what you're after. Um, and th- there's a few reasons why. Um, there's features uh, in the shoe that come into play. They have a raised heel, and this allows you to squat just a little bit deeper with a little bit of additional ankle range of motion. Um, they have a rigid undersole and quite a bit of firm support around the edges and top of the shoe. If a running sneaker is a pillow and a trainer is a board, a weightlifting shoe is a bloody cinder block. It gives you a rock-solid, stable foundation for your lifts. That's its sole purpose. You're not going to use it for anything else, which is why in terms of priority, at least as a CrossFitter, I put this in the next to buy, but not the first to buy. Um, You'll use them, but expect not to get nearly the same kind of mileage out of them as your trainer's. 
Next up for the sophomore CrossFitter would be a callus shaver. Nobody likes to talk about it, but once you've done pull-ups and barbell work for a while, your calluses are going to start to develop. And it's good. You need them. They, they protect your hand, and you don't want your hands to be super soft forever when you're, when you're doing CrossFit. Um, but you don't want your calluses getting out of control. Why? Well, it's not because your handshake starts to creep people out. It's because your next trip to the pull-up bar or the barbell may result in a tear. And a tear is not a rite of passage. It's a hindrance to your training that you need to avoid. Tears are painful, they can take a while to heal, especially if you tear at a really inconvenient crease in your hand, and while you're waiting for it to heal and not doing pull-ups and barbell lifts, your classmates are getting stronger. So by now you know that isn't going to fly, so why risk it? Get a callus shaver, take off the top several layers of those puppies, uh, and, and pumice stone the edges. Um, so that you don't leave yourself open to those tears in the first place. They're cheap. They're available in just about any cosmetics department where you find like nail files and, and that sort of thing. Another thing to consider is sort of a twofer. Gymnastic balm and or liquid chalk. Um, these are nice to haves. They're certainly not necessary. Depending on your gym, not every gym has a liberal chalk policy. Uh, so it kind of depends on, on what your priorities are. Um, but these are two things that I have in my bag that I appreciate when it comes up. Um, first, the gymnastic balm is to your hands what lip balm is to your lips. It hydrates, moisturizes, um, and it helps soothe and protect against tearing. It tends to be a little greasy though, so it's absolutely not a pre-workout treatment. Um, liquid chalk is exactly what it sounds like. Instead of living in a cloud of white dust that gets everywhere, you apply a little bit of this liquid to your hands and spread it where you need it, and your hands will feel dry and a little bit tacky. So it's ideal for no-mess pull-ups. Uh, shin covers are another thing that a sophomore might consider, uh, either in the form of long socks or honest-to-God shin guards. Uh, they're great for deadlifts, box jumps, and rope climbs. Those are, those are the three things that will tear your shins up if you're not careful. And it only takes one bad rep to tear the skin off of a shin. So be prepared for how warm they are, though. The extra leg covering will make you hot in the middle of a wad. But if they save you taking the skin off your shins, you'll appreciate you had them on. Uh, and finally, lifting tape. Now, this is different than athletic tape that you would commonly find for hockey players or something like that. Um, they're, they're about an inch, maybe an inch and a half wide, but they're made of a breathable, flexible, and stretchy material. They're, and different brands have different levels of stickiness. Um, but you wrap this stuff around, for example, you wrap it around your thumb for your next heavy snatch session, and you'll wonder how you went without before, um, particularly if you're doing a lot of it. Uh, it really does offer some comfort to the inner edge of your thumb for that lift, and you can use it for other lifts as well, but it's on the snatch you'll really appreciate it. Brands like Genie Tape and Monkey Tape are two of my favorites. Now let's talk about the Fire Breather. Uh, they've been at this a while, and so there's, there's a limited number of things that they may not have in their gear bag yet, but when you start looking at some of the things that an advanced CrossFitter might want to have for themselves... These are sort of my top three that I think of um, when I think of the fire breathers in, in the gyms that I've visited. Um, first up, weighted vest. In a, in a word, Murph. If you've been uh, at the CrossFit game for a while, you've probably got most of the gear that you need no matter what comes up in the wad, but one of the things you might consider to have for yourself is a weighted vest, and there's lots of different options. Some use sandbags, um, but those tend to be a little bulky, um, so you do have to be prepared for that additional bulk uh, when you intend to do something like push-ups or a bar muscle-up uh, while wearing the vest. It'll get in the way. 
Um, the plated options that are uh, commonly available from um, 511 Tactical and uh, several other manufacturers, Rogue among them, um, those tend to be uh, quite a bit thinner, but they don't have much flex to them. So if you're looking for your torso to have any kind of flexion uh, while wearing the vest, good luck. Um, but they do offer quite a bit of comfort. You keep them nice and tight. They don't move around a lot, so they're great for just about everything, and they will not get in the way, uh, aside from the strength side of things, when you're trying to do a muscle-up in them, for example. Lifting straps are another thing uh, that uh, really experienced people will wind up often using. Um, when you're going for a max lift, particularly a deadlift, and you want to supplement your already ferocious kung fu grip, uh, lifting straps anchor your grip to the bar. Um, I think of these as being pretty advanced as a training aid myself. I don't recommend them for anyone without considerable experience. But the beauty is they're very cheap. They're very in inexpensive to find. And lots of performance uh, sports equipment stores that cater to the gym crowd carry them on the shelf and probably have multiple options as well. Uh, and finally, a TENS machine. Um, you could absolutely use a TENS machine before becoming a fire breather. Um, I just think of fire breathers as being the ones that benefit from them maybe the most and talk about using them a little bit more often. So what the hell is it? Um, it what TENS stands for is transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation. Basically, it's, it's a, at each location on, on your body, um, you would use two sticky pads per target location and attach it to the skin over, let's say, a muscle, right in your leg or your shoulder, back, arm, etc. And a mild current passes from one pad to the other to elicit uh, a response from the muscle. It can be used as a mild form of massage, for example. It can relieve muscle aches and pains. Generally, the electrical current promotes a small amount of contraction in the muscle, sometimes uh, small enough to feel like a little light buzzing in the muscle. Other times, it'll, pro it'll provide a little bit more of a substantial contraction of the muscle. The patterns that go through the pads are determined by a control unit that the pads are connected to. Physiotherapists use TENS machines quite often with their patients, um, but there are models of these machines that are available for anyone to buy, and fire breathers may be the ones benefiting from this kind of device maybe a little bit more frequently simply because they might work out to a level that they would benefit uh, from this type of muscle therapy more often, but really anyone could use a machine like this following a tough week of workouts. So let's talk about our fourth group, the Garage CrossFitter. Uh, some, some actual gear to add to your garage workout environment. So this is the stuff that isn't going in your gear bag. It's stuff that you have uh, in, a, in a place, uh, your garage, your basement, workout room, whatever. Um, I generally tell people to start with a moderate or even a heavy kettlebell. And, you know, if you have the ability to go with both, great. A moderate kettlebell is pretty versatile, but you're not going to be working on strength necessarily. Whatever weight you consider moderate is variable to you. But a moderate kettlebell is very versatile. You can use it for a lot of different things, um, but it's not going to uh, stress on, on the strength side of things. While a heavy kettlebell certainly will, but it might limit the number of things that you can do with it. Uh, and it would be the same thing on the dumbbell front. You could approach dumbbells the same way. Uh, a med ball is another thing that I, I tell people is an easy thing to pick up. They're usually only about anywhere from 50 to 100 bucks, depending on what material they're made of and what weight you're going for. Um, all you need is a wall high enough, and you can be doing Karen at home, outside or maybe even inside. But you're not limited to that. I mean, you can certainly do med ball cleans, um, med ball deadlifts, med ball sit-ups. There's lots of things that you can do with that very versatile piece of equipment. 
Um, a pull-up bar is another thing that uh, I, I very often tell people to grab for home. Um, I know they sell door-mounted pull-up bars here and there, but unless you get the new Rogue one that has a really strong support plate that bolts to the, the studs above the door, a door-mounted one is only going to get you strict pull-ups, which is great. Don't get me wrong. You, you definitely want to be working on strict pull-ups, but when you're looking to get the best bang for your buck for your home gym, you want something that isn't a one-trick pony. So if you can get some form of wall-mounted, seriously strong pull-up system, that's generally a little bit better. Uh, rings are another thing that you might consider for home, either for dips, if you have a, and if you have a ceiling high enough and a joist to attach them to, uh, ring, gym, ring gymnastic work is great to be able to work on in your garage. Um, you may, and depending on what style of connection you have to the ceiling, may determine exactly what you're able to do with it. Uh, next up would be barbell and some plates. And you don't necessarily need a lot. Um, when you want to bring some lifting home, you can't go wrong with a barbell and just a handful of plates. Unless you're getting pretty serious, you don't need a lot of weight for this kind of purchase to be useful. A nice barbell might set you back a couple hundred bucks. Plates are very often between a buck and three bucks per pound, depending on you know what kind of plate it is. Um, and so you have to be prepared for it to cost a little bit, depending on how much weight you want. Um, but think about what you want the bar for at home. Are you going to be one rep maxing at home, or are you going to be perfecting your form, working on your stability, or practicing your barbell cycling? There's tremendous value in prioritizing those last three, and when you do, the gains that you see under load in the gym would still be noticeable. Uh, and finally, a squat rack or a rig. Um, fixed or folding variable depths and heights to meet your space needs. Um, I personally have a 12-foot rig in my garage. I have a 14-foot ceiling in there, so I was able to get away with a nice tall rig, uh, and that gave me the ability to work on a lot of amazing things. I've got pull-up bar built into it. Of course, because of the height, I was able to throw in some rings for dips. I have rings attached to the ceiling as well. I have a rope attachment attached to my rig. I have a wall ball target attached to the rig. A rig is a multi-function platform, um, so in the grand scheme of things, because of the number of things that you can do, they're a pretty good bang for your buck. Whether it's a freestanding uh, squat rack or a rig that attaches to the wall uh, or either in a fixed position or collapses to, to fold up against the wall, you can generally get either a home squat rack or a rig in the $400 range. Uh, and, you know, it might sound like a lot, but your last phone probably cost you twice as much, so that's just something to think about. And there you have it. That's the 2018 Box Jumper Crossfitter Christmas wish list. Are there some items you think I missed? I'm betting there is. Send me an email at info at boxjumper.ca and set me straight. Tell me why you think something you thought of should have been on my list. But be kind. It's not like I didn't think of many more to include, but did you really want this episode to be Lord of the Rings long? Christmas is just a week away, so you don't have long to add these items to your cart for the Crossfitter in your life. If none of the items on my list spoke to you, well, the next best thing you could do is I'm sure you could go out and buy a gift certificate for your CrossFitters box. I'm sure they'll spend it wisely at the affiliate that they call home. Please subscribe to the Box Jumper podcast on your favorite podcasting platform uh, so that you get all of the upcoming episodes automatically um, as I'm joined by guests to talk about CrossFit, fitness, health, healthy living, diet, you name it, we're going to talk about it. If you like this episode, please write a review on iTunes. Ratings um, and reviews really help other people find the podcast. Uh, let them know that they might might like it, and um, you know they give me some feedback on what I'm doing. 
Um, I'd love to see some more iTunes reviews. Um, I got a fantastic review from a new listener in the UK who spoke about uh, the podcast being a mature podcast in both senses of the word and looking forward to uh, my next release, even though they are a solid month apart. I'm going to try to tighten that up and, and release more episodes more frequently. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I hope that uh, the, the next new episodes reach more and more of you out there. So thanks for tuning in. More interviews with interesting folks from the uh, fitness and CrossFit world are coming real soon. Until then, stay healthy, wad happy, and wad often.